Well, she asked me how it looked, and I learned early on in my marriage, anytime my wife asked me how something looks, the answer is good. Uh, and she, she asked me how it looked, and it really did look good. She cut our youngest's hair back a little bit last night. He wasn't ready for a full haircut, but it was getting a little shaggy in a couple spots. So she gave him a little trim, and it looked good. And I thought, hey, that's great. And then I was brushing my teeth, and I noticed the water started going down really slowly in the sink. Uh, last night, and and I asked Brooke. I'm like, hey, Brooke, how much how much hair did you did you get in the sink? She's like, oh, not not much at all. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And uh, just watched as I, I ran some hot water down the sink, and and it went a little faster, but not much faster. And so I decided I would take the stopper off, and I, I took the stopper off. I had to YouTube how to do that, but thank God for YouTube. Found out how to do that. Uh, so I did it. I took the stopper off, and it looked like my entire, the entire head of hair that my son had had prior to the haircut was lodged in the, in the bathroom sink drain in, right there as I'm just pulling out clumps after clumps. I'm like, not that much? And she's like, well, I didn't think I did that much. I, I didn't, and I just kept pulling it out. I'm like, that is an absolute ton. What's going on? She's like, well, I guess I just lost track, and I didn't realize that I that I shoved all of his hair down the drain. And I flashed back to when I was learning to drive. My, my dad kind of helped teach me to drive, but my dad, was, he was not chill at all. And he would freak out every time that I, would, that I would drive. And he would have to be in the car because in Ohio you get a learner's permit. And at the time you had to drive for six months with parents or guardians. And my mom was, she was normally pretty chill when I was driving, which is fascinating because she's normally never chill. Uh, and then, then my dad, he's not normally chill either, uh, but he's, he's a little more chill than my mom. But when, when I was learning to drive, no chill at all. I, we'd be in a, on a four-lane road, and I would be in the middle lane, and he'd be screaming about the mailboxes on the right-hand side that the mirror were about to take off. And I'm like, we're nowhere even, even near the mailboxes. And I would remember, I would remember there was just one phrase that he would just keep repeating over and over and over again as he's, as he's just grabbing on to that handle that's in a car that you don't even recognize is in there until you're either riding with a really bad driver or you're driving and you've got a really bad passenger and they're just gripping onto that handle for dear life and that's what he was doing and he would just keep repeating watch what you're doing watch what you're doing I'm like watching him worried about a panic attack that he's about to have over here and he's like watch what you're doing and in life sometimes we can lose our focus in life, sometimes we just get distracted, and sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes we just throw a little bit more hair than we should down the bathroom drain. Sometimes people are yelling at us to watch what we're doing, and we really aren't even doing anything wrong. But sometimes we lose our focus, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about focus, how it relates to us in the spiritual realm, and also what we need to focus on in our our lives. As we continue our look at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, today we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I hope you'll pull them out and follow along with us in the Bible app. If you don't already have the Bible app, download it and install it on your device. It's a free app that you can find in the app store that you use. Just type in the Bible app. Once you've downloaded and installed it on your device, there are a number of features within that app. One of those features is called Events, and there you can either enable your locations or type in zip code 54201. 
54201 and there Lakeside Community Church will pop up. You can follow along with us that way if you have a traditional Bible with you. Again, we're in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, we're going to look at chapter 5 today as we continue our look at Solomon as he's at the end of his life going back and thinking through everything that he's done everything that he's acquired, everything that he's achieved, and how it all has left him at this place of not satisfied and wanting more. Today we talk about focus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're going to start off this morning by just reading verse 1 where we read these words, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing Evil. They do not know that they are doing evil. Make sure your relationship, make sure your relationship with God and expressions are authentic and not an imitation or a routine. And everything that we need to watch what we're doing in our lives, in every way that we need focus in our lives, the greatest area of focus that we need in our lives is in our spiritual relationship, is in our relationship with God. First and foremost, this is essential. This is essential. This is something that we must do. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, first is this. We make sure that our relationship with God and the expressions that come from that relationship with God are authentic, that it's real. It's not just something that we proclaim. It's not just something that we say. It's not just something that we run to when we have, when we have an issue arise in our lives or where we find ourselves in a circumstance or situation where we don't know what we're going to do with. And so we're, we approach God like he's a genie and that he's going to give us whatever we wish for if we pray and we ask for it. And he's just going to swoop in and magically rescue us when, whenever we find ourselves in a less than ideal circumstance or situation. But instead, making sure that our relationships with God are authentic and they're intimate and they're real. And that this is something that really is a desire of our heart. It really is something that we put our time and our energy and our effort and our focus into. That we don't just put God on the back burner, but we invite God into every aspect of our daily lives. That we try to live our lives to bring him honor and glory. That we try to follow him with the choices that we make and the decisions that we make. That we aren't just quick to do things, to go through the spiritual routines because we think they're going to get us favor of some kind. But instead, that we live our lives really sold out with the desire of pursuing God day in and day out. This is the type of relationship that God desires from us. And if we aren't careful, what we do is we just go through the motions. We just go through the motions because that's more, well, it's easier it's easier, and it's just something that we fall into. But it's easier to go through the it's easier to go through the routine and the motions of following God than it is to legitimately follow Him day in and day out. And Solomon, as he's looking back on his life, as he's looking out at the world, as he's looking over what he's seen and what he has experienced in his life, thinking back over the incredible temple that he built, one of the things that would go on frequently in the temple were sacrifices. Now, we don't still sacrifice because the sacrificial system has been fulfilled once and for all through the work of Jesus. That Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice once and for all for the sins of all mankind. That the sins prior to Jesus' coming and in the sins that would happen after Jesus' coming, were paid for and were dealt with once and for all on the cross. So we no longer have a need for a sacrificial system. But in the Old Testament, before Jesus came and paid the price for our sins when he was crucified, 
before he was sacrificed on our behalf, in the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system which spelled out what we would have to sacrifice every time that somebody sinned. So every time somebody sinned, they would have to take a sacrifice. And there were sometimes daily sacrifices, there were, there were yearly sacrifices, and everything in between that the high priests and the priests would make for the people. They would go and they would sacrifice these things for the people. And what Solomon's saying here is don't just go through the motions. Don't live your life like hell and then just approach God and say, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, so please forgive me. But instead, deal with those problems at the forefront. Following Jesus does not give us a license to just do whatever we want, saying, well, Jesus has to forgive me. He will forgive us, but it doesn't give us that license. And it's nothing new. It's not new in our culture. It was going on back in the Old Testament. It's dealt with here. But an authentic, real relationship with God means that we want to honor God with the choices that we make and our decisions. That we invite God into the daily routine of our lives, the daily aspect of our lives. And this is the relationship that God desires from us. Not just for us to go through the routine, not, for, not just for us to, to feel like, okay, if, if I pray today, I can check that off the list. If I go to church this week, I can check that off the list. And don't get me wrong, prayer and scripture reading and, and being together as part of a community here at, at church, those are all vitally important things in our spiritual growth and our spiritual development. But we can, if we're not careful, formulate routines and rather than be focused on the relationship behind the routine, we just focus on the routine. And God's all about the relationship. He wants the relationship. And again, those are healthy routines. Those are not bad routines. But we have to make sure that the relationship is what drives those routines. And we just don't walk through a routine thinking, well, somehow I'm gaining God's favor if the relationship isn't there and if it isn't strong. So make sure your relationship with God and your expressions are authentic, that they're authentic and not an imitation or not just merely routine. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are in earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. Don't proclaim you're going to do a lot of things in God's name and then do nothing. Sometimes we get fired up. Sometimes we want to change the world. Sometimes we want to make a difference. And then we attach God's name to it. And we're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to accomplish this. And, and Solomon's saying, no. Sober yourself. Sober yourself. It's good to be enthusiastic. It's good to want to change the world. It's good to have a desire to do a lot of great things. But don't attach God's name to it and go say, I'm going to do all these things and then do nothing. Make a promise. Make a promise. Oh, if make a promise. Like how we do this is we make a promise. We're like, hey, if, if God would do this, then, then I'll do this. We attach God's name to it, right? If God does this, then I'll do this. That's what he's talking about as well. Or maybe, maybe you swear to God. I swear to God, something along those lines. He's saying, don't do that. Don't attach God's name to things. You and God are not on the same level. And I know when we swear to God, it's kind of like appealing like to, to a heart. He's like, but don't even do that. God is in heaven. You are in earth. You're not the same. You're not on the same level. You're not the same. And, and don't just attach God's name flippantly to things. Don't just attach God's name flippantly to things. He says, dreams come when our, when our, minds, when our minds are heavy, but, but talk, but talk is cheap. And then it goes on. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. 
For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Listen, God isn't impressed by our, our lofty promises and claims. God isn't impressed by our lofty promises and claims. That's not what God is interested in. God is interested in our heart. He's interested in the relationship. He's interested in the follow through. God isn't impressed by us just throwing out lofty promises and lofty claims that we never follow through on. And then he goes on, let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. So what does all this mean? What does all this mean? Here's, here's the reality. Here's what we need to take home from this. First and foremost, that God wants the authentic, real relationship. He doesn't want the routine. He doesn't want us to go through the motions. He wants the authentic, real relationship. God is not honored when we make lofty claims in his name. God is not honored when we sit down and we have visions, but we do nothing about those visions. God wants us to work. God wants us to do things. God wants us to act. Have you ever known somebody, whether in the spiritual realm or even not in the spiritual realm, who's just a dreamer, who's just a dreamer? And they dream all the time. And on one hand, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Because when you're 14 and 15 and 16 years old, people are like, dream, dream, and, and be whatever you want. Dream, formulate a vision. But, but somewhere along the way, if you're 60 and 70 and 80 years old, and you're still a dreamer, on one hand, there, there's an appeal there. That there's still this desire within you to create new things and do new things and to accomplish things that you've never seen done before. And yet, on the other hand, if you've never accomplished anything, there's, there's this feeling of, well, that's disappointing. That's disappointing. There's at some point in our lives, and it's, it's not concrete when that is, but where potential goes from a blessing to a curse if it's unrealized. If it's unrealized. And what we're talking about here are ways that we don't have to live lives of regret. Are, are ways that we one day don't end up where Solomon is. Where we're looking back and we're thinking about all the could-haves and should-haves. But all the things that we have failed to do. That we have failed to secure. That we have failed to accomplish. And that's where regret creeps in. And so some of the ways that we can safeguard around that are force, first and foremost to have the most vital relationship in place and an order that needs to be in place and that needs to be in order. And that's our relationship with our creator, Jesus. Not routine, not just going through the motions, but authentic and real. And then next, to recognize that God has wired us all differently and he's created us all with talents, gifts, and abilities. And God wants us to accomplish things with those. And sometimes God calls us to accomplish really big things. But never believe the lie that you only were designed or you were only created to accomplish really big things. And you miss the opportunities that you have day in and day out to utilize the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has wired you with all because you're looking at something to come. And what's even worse is when you miss the opportunities that God has given you on a day-in and day-out basis and you attach God's name to it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm planning to do this for God, but you miss what you have the opportunity to do today. 
And I promise you, if you will just focus on taking the opportunities of each and every day, if you try to make a difference, if you make sure that your relationship with your Creator is in order every single day, that is the quickest path to as few regrets as possible when you look back on your life. No, I'm promising you, if you do this, you'll have no regrets. No, we live in a broken and flawed world. There are times we're going to make mistakes. There are other people's mistakes that they make that impact us. So I can't promise you this is the way to live a regret-free life. There's always going to be some regret. There's always going to be some way that you look back and you think, I could have handled that situation different. I could have done this differently. But if you want fewer and fewer and fewer of those, and I don't know about you, but I do, then make sure your relationship with your creator is in order and take advantage of every single day. Don't miss the opportunities that God has given you today because you're out looking for something tomorrow or next week or next month, next year. And I'm not telling you don't have a plan. I'm, it's, it's foolish not to have a plan. Yes, have a plan and, and, and dream. But don't be so caught up in that plan and that dream that you miss the opportunity today to serve people, to love people, to learn, to grow, and to walk closer to Jesus. All because you're dreaming about tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year. Take every day as the opportunity that it is. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor, and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. Solomon just says, when you see the oppression, when you see the imperfection, something that we talked about last week, just remember, we live in an imperfect world. We live in an imperfect world, so we're going to see those things. And they should stir our hearts, they should bother us, but we're going to see those things. Don't be surprised, don't be blown away when you see them. We live in a broken and imperfect world. And what he says going beyond that is don't be surprised, but not only don't be surprised, but know this, that a person you think could do something about it, that, that they should do something about it. Well, just know that there's people even higher than them up on the food chain, which means we can't always count on somebody else. We can't always count on somebody else or an institution to take care of it. And sometimes we just think it's easier to think, well, this is a problem. And if I make these people aware of the problem, if, if I make the government aware of the problem, if, if this person's aware of it, then they can deal with it. But he says this, you can't always count on someone else. Now, here's the thing. We can take heart in this because we know as people who know how God has ordered things and we know how God has wired things and created things, we know based on Romans 13 that ultimately those people who are in higher positions, whether it's government or higher people in institutions or, or you name it, they will ultimately give an account. They are ultimately there by God's doing and they will ultimately give an account to God. And so we can take heart in that, that even the oppressions that we see, that people refuse to deal with, that we can know that they don't get off scot-free. They will one day stand before God and give an account for what they did to fight for the oppressed, what they did to fight for the disadvantaged, what they did to fight for the down and the out. But we can't count on someone else or an institution to just magically make it go away, to just magically take 
care of it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in a weird way, that brings me more peace. And some, some ways it just infuriates me all the more. We can't solve all of the world's problems. But we're going to do our best to do what we can. So last week, I, I talked to you about human trafficking, and I, I talked about the oppression that goes on and, and how we can't just turn our backs toward it and how we recognize this is such a complicated issue to deal with because it's impossible to know all the statistics. Some people go unreported. Some people just claim human trafficking to try to avoid prosecution, and it's difficult, but we don't have a license just to ignore it, and it's going on in our region. It's going on in our state. It's going on in our world, so in our nation, so we can't just turn our back towards it. And so in the month of November, we're going to be partnering with a couple different organizations, one globally, and one that deals with people right here in this country. And they have rescue homes for people that are escaping and have escaped and their families, human trafficking. And we're going to be partnering up with those rescue homes. We're going to be partnering with, with global institutions who, who go to the front lines and who try to save people from, from being human trafficked. Some of this is prevention. Some of it is, is past prevention. And it's to be right there on the front lines. And so we're going to do this uh, over the course of the month of November. And so we are asking people, Lakeside, over and above your regular giving to help us support this endeavor and this initiative. We also recognize that we live in a world that, that needs the hope of Jesus. We live in a world that needs the hope of Jesus. And we God has positioned us here in this region. And our heartbeat is that we can express the love and the hope of Jesus with as many people as we possibly can. And in order to best do that, we want to expand our facilities here. We want to expand our facilities so even more programming and more things can happen on our campus so that we can welcome more people to Lakeside so that we can share with them the hope of Jesus. So at the same time that we're raising money for the, the survivors and the victims of human trafficking and hope, hopefully heading off, people from heading into that lifestyle and giving people across the world support so that they don't have to choose to, to sell a kid, that that wouldn't even pass their minds. At the, at the same time, we're going to be raising money to also be able to hire an architect and to, to go through the initial planning phases of what the expansion for this building look like. While at the same time, we have... Utility bills, we have a mortgage payment, we have staff salary, we have everything else right across the board. And, and this, is, this is a big ask, but this is something we're praying about, it's something we feel good about, and it's going to be a challenge, but we're asking you to come alongside and to help us in this. And so we are in the month of November, and this will count our regular, our regular budget for the month, but in the month of November, in order to do all these things, and again, this is going to take, it's going to take sacrifice, and we're asking people to go over and above their regular giving. We are going to try to raise $50,000 in the month of November. And that is a big number. And I just want to remind you, we serve a big God. And so I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to pray with us and to, to just do those things. Give as you can. Pray with us every day. 
pray with us every day that God would, he's put this on our hearts, that God has put us in this region, and that God would enable us to have a greater influence and a greater reach and that we could impact people's lives. So thank you for praying for us with that. Thank you for your generosity in advance. And I can't wait to see what God's going to accomplish. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. See, here's the thing. In our world, we put all of our time and all of our energy and all of our focus in, in a lot of things, but one of the chief things that we worship in this country is wealth. And what do most people want to be? They want to be wealthy. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's not a wrong endeavor to, to, want, to, to want to have a comfortable life. Now, when that becomes your focus, when that drives you, that's when it becomes an idol. That's when trouble, trouble comes. But we see throughout Scripture some incredible things that could happen in ministry because of wealthy people who loved God and followed God. But I just want to tell you, if you are here and you think all of my problems are going to be solved by money, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the problem of wealth is it creates new problems and it creates new challenges. And it consumes. And so what are the problems with wealth? Well, the first is dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. We're dissatisfied when we have no money, and then when we have money, we're dissatisfied that we don't have more money. It's dissatisfaction. What's the next problem with wealth? People wanting things. People wanting things. I read an interview this week uh, about Ed Sheeran, and and Ed Sheeran was being talked about by another musical artist. And Ed Sheeran asked this artist, hey, when you made it, did you get some really weird requests from your family and friends? And this artist said, no. And Ed said, they're coming. They're coming. See, one of the problems with wealth is it changes, it changes the way that people look at us. And now people want things from us. People feel that they're owed. People feel that they deserve things from us. And so people, people want things from us. Another problem with wealth is it creates worry. And the last problem is extravagance. Extravagance. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. And remember, Solomon is generating billions of dollars annually, adjusted for our times, but billions of dollars annually when he writes this. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. You love money, you're never going to be satisfied at your job. You're never going to be satisfied with the business that you own. You're never going to be satisfied with the returns in the market. You're always going to want more because it consumes. It consumes. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. Solomon says, you know what's better than wealth? A life of peace. A life of enough. And some of you have realized what that looks like. 
and you're living it. And you know you could have more money. You know there are different things you could do. But you've chased that. You recognize ultimately how empty that pursuit is. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. So Solomon says, story time. Story time. I've seen it. There's a very wealthy individual, a very wealthy individual who has all the money in the world and he hoards it. And then he starts a venture, a, a business, but it doesn't go well. So he's in a position he could help everyone else, but he doesn't help anyone else. And he sinks his money just trying to create more money. Why? Because wealth is never satisfied. And then he loses everything. The business turns bad. And he loses it all. This is the reality that we must all face. That wealth, wealth is temporary. The founder of Spanx in her office has had a plaque that says, just remember, you're going to die. Just remember, you're going to die. So even if you've set yourself up and you're comfortable and you're going to be comfortable for the rest of your life, just remember, you're not taking it with you. It's temporary. And when we try to hold on to it, when we try to grasp it, it's a toil after the wind. It's something we can't keep. And what's the result? What's the result? Isolation, frustration, sickness, and anger. And that's the result of somebody who has no money. See, because what we can do is we can look and we can see all the problems that wealth brings and we can say, well, that's just a problem for them. But, but here we're, we see the problems of people that don't have enough as well. And there are problems there too. Because your situation is temporary. Wealth is temporary. That's why we encourage you, follow God's plan. Follow God's plan for finances. And what's God's plan for finances? That you would give, that you would save, and that you would spend. That is God's plan for your finances. Give, save, spend. It's not wrong to spend money. It's not wrong to save money. It's not wrong to give money. God has created a system that if we will follow, we will have enough and we can avoid this. And how can we avoid this? Number one is wealth doesn't become our focus. And number two, we have enough. We can live in that satisfaction of having enough and not having to worry about it. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink 
and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is satisfaction. That you aren't looking over your shoulder and you're not looking in front of you, worried about what the person behind you has and worried about what the person in front of you has. That you aren't comparing, I have this car, but they have this car, or I have this house, and they have this house. Or I have this many Etsy purchases this month, and they have this many Etsy purchases that month. It's not about that. It's about knowing what's enough and being satisfied. It's about being content that your needs are met. And not having to chase something all the time. It's about finding work that is enjoyed. Not begrudging every day you wake up. Not going and punching the clock and hating your life until you get to clock out. Why, why do we talk about finances? Well, one, because Scripture does. And two, because we recognize that this is such a big piece in your life. And it requires focus. But if you're willing to focus, if you're willing to focus on God first and foremost, and you're willing to focus on what He's entrusted you with, and you block out all the noise, and you stop looking around you, and you just focus on God and what He's entrusted to you, that is the path to satisfaction. That is the path to contentment. And it concludes with this. Memories, they're great. Memories are great. But a life lived this way, a life lived this way means that you aren't stuck living in the past. You know that person that still wants to be in high school because those were the best days of their life? And every time you see them, they're still talking about what happened 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Not as a way to just bring in the conversation, not as a, a fun memory, but back living their golden age. What if we could live a life where we look back fondly, but we don't have to be stuck in the past? Because our best days are now. That's the life that God wants for you. And the path to that is that He's our focus. That, yeah, we dream and we plan and we prepare. But we never lose sight of the opportunities we have today to utilize our gifts, talents, and abilities to make a difference for Him. That we recognize that everything He's entrusted to us is an opportunity for us to give, to save, and to spend and enjoy. That we don't have to look out the window at what you have 
of what you're doing. We just focus on living the life that God has for us. That's the path to fulfillment. That's the path to enjoyment. And if we will focus there, that is how we can get the most out of our lives. God, I pray that we would live fruitful lives. I pray that we would live lives where we make a major difference for you. And God, I pray that we attack that today and tomorrow and Tuesday. And yes, God, we have a plan for the future. And yes, we prepare, but we never miss the opportunities that you give us day in and day out to make a difference for you. I pray, God, that following you would be all about the relationship and not about the routine. And there are some great routines that come about. But, God, I pray that what would stir us and what would drive us first and foremost would be the relationship. God, I pray that our focus is on you and, and then on ourselves. That we aren't constantly looking at others and being jealous of what they have or we aren't thinking we're better than somebody else because we have more than, than somebody else. God, that our focus would just be on what you've entrusted us with. That we'd find satisfaction and contentment. And we'd follow your plan. That we would be generous. That we would be wise and we would save. And we'd spend Enjoy what you give us. Have fun. Experience things. and Adventure. Pray God now, as we have an opportunity to give back a portion of that which you've entrusted to us, that you would bless those who follow your plan. I pray they would find fulfillment, satisfaction, and contentment. We ask God that as we try to raise $50,000 in the month of November, you would just bless us. And God, well, it's a big number to us. It's nothing to you. Work in our hearts, stern generosity in us, God. May we impact those who find themselves in a difficult circumstance, in a difficult situation. May we reach out to them and help them heal emotionally, physically, and spiritually as they're introduced to the hope of Jesus. May we one day, God, discover whether it's in this life or in eternity to come, the impact of our generosity. Help us, God, focus on you today and every day for the glory of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we do pray.